Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Salop Cast this season. Myself, Glim Price, and as Ollie is away, I have roped my brother back onto the podcast. Um, we spent all day together yesterday and Friday, didn't we, playing golf? So mm. I had a lot to talk about Shrewsbury Town this week. So um, yeah, good to get your view. Um, and obviously, Mike, we've reached 10 league games so far this season, um, which is always kind of like a nice first port of call to make a judgment of kind of where we're at, really. Um, and so we're going to do that as well, aren't we? So yeah, welcome back on the podcast. And how are you feeling about Shrewsbury Town at the moment? Um, surprisingly positive, I suppose. It's um, if you look at the league, very positive. If you watch the matches, possibly slightly less positive. But you mm. can't argue with with where we stand after ten games. I think, and it'd be interesting to see some of the responses you got to some of the questions I saw you asking on Twitter around um, around how we're doing. But yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the results, really. So. Let's have that continue, I think. It is a results business. You're right, isn't it? And yeah, we, we cannot... You look at the league table and it's one of those situations where like, we've lamented the not having a poor her season for so long. Mm. It's stuck in our brain, isn't it? Shoe Town fans, you know, Stockholm syndrome. But we're sitting in ninth in the division. You know, mm. before we talk about the game on Saturday and how we played and all that sort of thing, just to be sitting in ninth coming towards the end of September, it's quite a nice warm glow about it, isn't it? It's it's unusual. Yeah, <laughs> it feels quite nice. And... Um, I, I think on the way out yesterday, a few, me and a couple of lads were chatting, and I don't think we feel like a ninth team but on the pitch, but we are a ninth team, so yeah. let's embrace it, let's enjoy it, let's get behind them and hope that sort of the positivity they can take from this um, carries on for the next few months, because um, certainly after 10 games, we're set up to attack the league as opposed to try and defend our position, which is where we usually find ourselves. Yeah, we've got much more free hits coming up as well now with where we sit in the league than we probably usually had when we might, might have got down ourselves. So yeah, something good things to be positive about 10 games in, and we will do a full review. Um, as I say, we've got questions from fans. So yeah, we're going to jump into the, the Burton game. Um, one game this week, there was a, an LDV Cup thing, you know, pizza trophy, but was there? even Ollie's not here to talk about that, so we shall, we shall skim over it. We obviously lost 4-0 to Port Vale. So yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's... I, try to, I try to pretend that didn't happen. Said about that, the bear. So let's move on to more positive things. So let's start by having a look at Shrewsbury Town versus Burton. Shrewsbury were level by the break. Austin Barkley with the final touch from Lee Steele's fierce cross. Okay, so this week we're looking at Shrewsbury Town versus Burton Albion. Um, Saturday, twenty fourth of September. You know, lovely day out in Shrewsbury. <laughs> um, so we had a first of all, we've got an attendance there of five thousand six hundred sixty seven, which um, wasn't held by the fairly paltry. Following from Burton, I think there's only about 300 odd of them, wasn't there? Yeah, 350. Um, even though it ain't that far away. Um, and then the match itself ended 2-1 to Shrewsbury. Um, an opening goal by Christian Sadie on 13 minutes for the town. Um, Burton got one back on the 57th minute by uh, <laughs> Adebayeo, I think his name is. Good effort. Uh, and then Ryan Bowman uh, got the winner on the 66th minute. Um, of a quite a long game, there was more than ninety minutes, let's say, mm. um, and the town saw it out two-one win. So uh, I know Ollie will be waiting to hear your stats this week with him absent. So you got any stats to run us through this week? Yeah, it's funny actually. We moved some of the sort of ten-game league kind of stats into the later section. We're going to do on the where we're at now sort of thing. But yeah, just a few things from um, this game really. Interesting. That was back-to-back games where we've scored with our only shots on target. So obviously right. we had one shot on target versus Vale in the league last Saturday, scored that, and we had two shots on target versus Burton this Saturday, scored both of them. So you can't argue with that, Mike. It's suddenly quite weirdly effective, our finishing. It's it's wildly efficient, <laughs> isn't it? You know, Probably the most efficient team in the country, but I think that leads back to the comments earlier on that you know you know we don't feel like a ninth place team we're not dominating teams and creating half no. of chances it's um 
we are relying on those chances coming up and us putting them away. I don't know if that's sustainable, but certainly mm. while it works, you, you, again, you can't argue with the results, can you? Yeah, it's actually the third time it's happened. When we won, won away at Wickham, it was mm. also the same. So, um, yeah, two shots, two goals. So, yeah, it's three times. It's quite rare when I look through the stats that that actually happens. Um, one good thing here, I know he's a player you really like. Um, it was Elliot Bennett's 50th game for us. Obviously, would have come a lot sooner if not for the injury, mm. but, you know, sort of established himself now at the club, 50 games in. You know, that's, that's a good, good milestone, isn't it? Yeah, and... It's sort of weirdly snuck up, I think, a bit. Benefit, Bennett doesn't feel like he's had 50 games. He still feels like a relatively mm. new signing because he came in, um, was it during the COVID season almost? And he had, you know, sort of been in and out with injuries. So he's kind of racked them up on the sly a little bit. I'd love him to see him get the rest of the season in the team and, yeah, and you know, really sort of, um, you know, try and help run the team because I think he's so effective when he's in the team. He's such a leader. Uh, I really like him. So well done on the 50 games. Hopefully he gets at least 50 more, you know. Yeah, and he was really good on Saturday, which we'll touch on as well. So it looks like he's set fair to come back and see him, I reckon, Mike. Um, and another stat here, which is just more funny, really. Obviously, Sadie was on loan at Burton last season. How oh, was he? Yeah. Played 18 games for him, didn't score one. Brilliant. And obviously, first chance he gets to play against him, he bags. It's, you know, we all say X players score against us, but, um, you know, we do have to remember it happens the other way around as well. So, um, yeah, two and two for Sadie, which is, yeah. which is fantastic. Where were, where were they playing him? Centre off? Because <laughs> he seems to have goals all over him. So, um, no, I'm, I'm not surprised he scored at the weekend. It's just amazing that he didn't score an 18 for them. But mm. it's just, you know, a different environment, different team, different setup can bring the best out of players. We've had loads of. Uh, Lonely strikers who haven't scored and gone on to better things, so it's nice to see it happen to us. Uh, yeah, well, Sam Winnell came on for uh, Burnley. Yeah. He is a good example of a lonely striker that didn't really score a huge amount of goals. Um, if any, I don't think I don't think he scored. Team selection. It's a bit of an interesting one this week because um, Steve Cottrell's been quite media friendly this season. Um, yeah. He's been doing pre-match interviews on Radio Shropshire, if you can believe such wow. a thing. Um, and he came out an hour before kickoff and was was doing an interview. I think Chris Hudson was one of the guys that's behind me. Chris Hudson was telling me about it, and he was saying that he said on the radio they were going to start four three three. Um, which is interesting because as the game went on, especially in the you know before we made the changes to get back in the game, it looked to me more like a four-two-three-one, and I'll sort of say why. But it, you know, Morosi started in goal, and it looked like we had a flat back four of Pennington, Moore, Dunkley, and Nurse, with Pennington right back and Nurse left back, and then it's sort of Winchester and Leahy sitting quite deep in front of the two centre backs. And then three, Pike, Bayliss and Shipley, with Sadie quite isolated up front. And, you know, mm. that's how it looked when we played. So I can understand why he's saying 4-3-3, because, you know, he's, he's saying that Pike and Shipley were right up with Sadie. And then Winchester, Leahy and Bayliss were the centre mids. But yeah. didn't didn't really play like that during much of the first half, I didn't think. Uh, it, it seems like one of those formations which is quite fluid, depending on whether we're attacking or defending. Yeah, fair. And the majority of time we spent defending, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and I suppose at that point, then Shipley is going to drop in and Pike and Bayliss are going to drop back. Yeah. Uh, to make it the sort of the the, the four two three one, but I th- you know I quite like the fact that we can move between the positions and there's fluidity in in our structure. Um, the the other argument for that is do our players just not stick where they're supposed to? I don't know, but it seems like we've got a plan again. Whether it's the the four two three one or the four three three, they know what they're doing. They they drop between the two. Um, I, I imagine we would have tried to start four three three because. Mm. Because um, Cottrell would have wanted us to attack the game, but we quickly dropped back into that sort of low block and hit him on the break. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's sort of what happened, really. I think that's fair. I think we got pushed back, didn't we? And it changed the way it kind of set up straight away. But um, it's interesting because we were talking about um, tactics last week, me and Ollie, and I think it feels like we played more different tactics in the last, say, three to four weeks than we did all last season. Mm, and I think definitely. that does give a marker to the fact that. You know, as much as we've still got a relatively small squad, still there's definitely more optionality to move people around and play different yeah. tactics. And I think that's become apparent over the last few weeks that there is a bit more flexibility in how we can set up tactically. And maybe that is one of the reasons why we're getting these results is that Cottrell's now being able to apply that vast amount of technical knowledge he's got 
to game situations, whereas yeah. last season and, and maybe earlier this season he didn't quite have that. I think the the, the squad he's built um, has probably only got. I think either we were talking about this the other day or it was on your pod. And I was listening to it. We've only <laughs> got sort of three or four specialists: the goalkeeper, two of the centre halves, and, and and Bowman really a sort of specialist in their position you can't yeah. really move them but even Pennington as a centre half goes to right back and pretty much everybody else in the squad can play mm. in a variety of positions whether the midfielders can go attacking or defending and having that flexibility in the squad means that he can flex his tactics but not just game to game but in game as well yep. so we see it will start out one way he'll react to how the opposition are playing and then react again later on so I, lo- I love the fact that he is He's open to changing things around and, and affecting the game with his substitutions you know we spent too long watching Sam Ricketts the statue on the sideline, two subs on seventieth minute, like for like, and it was it's painful when you know it's not working. Yeah. So to see, you know, Cottrell's obviously got a lot of experience. He's built a flexible squad which can be small because it's got options, and he can he can change the the tactics around. So it's nice to have the conversations on a Saturday saying what are we playing today, what are we playing mm. now, how has it changed? Um, it's, it makes the games more interesting to watch, even when the football isn't great. Yeah, you know, tactically what we're doing. And it gets out of jail as well, like you just yeah. said. It definitely feels like the most flexible squad we've had since I ever started watching Shrewsbury. But um, maybe I'm forgetting what Fred Davis did with his squad back in the day when we were young. I don't know, yeah. but he definitely a lot of options to meet people around. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I should just say it, it was one of those Saturdays where we had like uh, what I would say is a classic. Saturday football Saturday you yeah. know for, for listeners of the pod you know I've often talked about the fact that we often go down the Prince of Wales and get the bus up the mm-hmm. second bus as I found out on Saturday not the yeah, first always bus always the second bus <laughs> um, but um, you know it's just nice to kind of meet friends have a drink and I, and I just wanted to give a shout out to um, there was a guy called Sean I met and I think his son was called James or, or it might have been the other way around so I apologise if I got that wrong guys but you know just a, a, someone who said he'd, he'd moved to town and he was originally living over Warrampton he'd just kind of been here about two and a half years I think he said and he just started following his local club oh, um, and yeah, and was was big into into sort of town now. Was taking his lad up there and was listening to the podcast as well. So um, and, and was sort of talking about the fact that he'd been listening to old episodes <laughs> to find out what had been going on before he started listening to the club. Yeah. I said, don't listen to the ASCII period podcast. You won't. You won't. He get needs much. another hobby. That guy. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was just really nice to see it. And I think it's good. It, you know, we often talk about you know our fans being kind of you know, guys that have been going for like 40, 50 years mm. or like ourselves since we were kids. But it's always great that new people get involved in the football club. I've met more and more of them over the years doing the podcast. So, yeah, just shout out to them, really, and, and glad, glad you've been listening, glad you've been enjoying the podcast, really. But we got the bus up, uh, got into the game after a little bit of a queue. It's, it's not as quick, is it, still? Even with a small 5,000 attendance, you've still got a little bit longer to wait to get in. It's marginal. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like, I mean, mountains and molehills come to mind with you, but, you know, I wouldn't have noticed I was really Fair queuing. It's, it, it flowed straight in, the scanners worked. Um they even helped my little lad go through the turnstile. He's only he's only nearly five, so um, it was slick. I can't complain about it. People don't like being in a queue, but the queues don't last long. I don't think it's getting better. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, my, my I had to get my lad's uh, season ticket card printed this week, and it worked first time. Um, but it was still like the people are putting it in upside down. It has to go in barcode first. That's something else we've yep. learned this week. And barcode up. And, bar- and barcode yeah. up. Yeah, that would be a good start. So there we go. Got in and yeah, sat down and Burton came at us mm. quite rapidly with yeah. pace and it was like oh they're bottom of the league what's going on here this is this is problems <laughs> yeah there was a lot of that the first 10 minutes people were yelling they're bottom of the <laughs> effing league um and yeah it was it was just a bit of a shame obviously at home you want to start well against a team that are bottom of the league you want to kind of knock the stuffing out of them mm. but equally they're going to come with something to prove um the, the key probably the key message from Cottrell you know classic keep it tight first 20 and then build into the game but yeah we couldn't get near them I thought I, I thought some of the times we were chasing shadows a little bit they, mm. played, they played quite a lot of slick football yeah and we we in the stand were commenting on Cottrell's pre-match comments that Burton are definitely in a false league position like yeah. he'd been sort of 
building the case for the defence in advance for when they come and sort of play at us a bit. But they looked like a good side. Um, mm. it, it didn't transpire for the whole game. But yeah, they certainly look like they've got some players. But I'm not really sure what their problem is this year and how they're bottom of the league. I think their problem is, on the evidence of this game, is that they played really well mm. and somehow managed to try to lose the game. And mm. that, must, that must have been happened to them quite a lot. Because if Cottrell thinks they're in a false position, he clearly knows they can play football. Yeah. They've got different options they've got pacey attacks but they've also got a guy with a long throw they yeah, also look yeah. dangerous from set pieces that's my kind of review of Burton really and they'll go they'll have gone away from this game feeling incredibly unlucky not to yeah. have got at least a point out of it and probably probably not feeling bad they didn't win it yeah. to be honest with you so they were I'd say they were they were good at pressing they, yeah. they caught us dwelling on the ball quite a lot throughout the game um quite a few times but and I think we weren't helping ourselves because <laughs> initially we started with that thing that I don't really like it's the goalkeeper's taking the goal kick and there's two center aisles on the edge of the six yard box to receive a short pass and we're trying to play it out from the back against a team that's sort of high pressing and mm. we did get caught on it a lot and then we always end up just hoofing it anyway yeah. <laughs> so you may as well cut out the middle man and cut out the risk but um, I appreciate the intention to play but perhaps um, we've just got to try and be a bit more sensible when we try and do it but um, yeah. yeah if you're going to play you've got to kind of play it into midfield at least haven't yeah. you yeah. whereas what, what happened several times is that <laughs> the Morosi put the ball down and kicked it out to um, Taylor Moore on the edge of the six yard box and he just put his head up and hoofed it <laughs> Just like, but, I mean, you we are, might as well let Morosi do that. Yeah, you're not you're not far <laughs> off describing what the actual first goal was like, so it, <laughs> exactly. it does work at times. No, yeah, it is effective at times, that's for sure. Um, but it wasn't us that had the first chance, although we did go and score the first goal. Yeah, the first chance was a a decent chance really from Burton, um, where they put a put a cross in. Um, and yeah, it was quite a good header actually from their forward. But Morosi was on hand to tip it over. What mm. one of his many saves he made on the on Saturday. And um, yeah, as we say, it was kind of people thinking. You know, we were playing long ball in those initial spells, trying to kind of that was our tactic to kind of get Turn out from their and, pressure. And yeah. when it works, it is in quite good to watch. It's mm. effective and it's deadly. And um, yeah, I was thinking it was whatever it was quite early on in the game. You said the time a minute ago, but yeah, one nil town then. Um, it was a long ball, but it was it was actually played out from the back, like we were just saying there. Yep. But this time it was a couple of passes um, into sort of you know the fringes of midfield and I think someone played it long um, and then Bayliss got up really well good flick on to mm-hmm. win the ball um, straight into Sadie's path who's running with pace he takes a couple of touches into the box and just settles himself and finishes low hard across the goalkeeper with with a finishing ability we've not seen too much outside of Danny Ado over the last few years um, and there you go we were 1-0 up out of nothing it was completely against the run of play yeah. and it was a bloody good moment yeah it was almost a silence when it went in everybody was a bit shocked because <laughs> Um, he still has a lot of work to do when he's he's got the ball out in the right channel. He, he cuts in and, and pushes the defender back. His shot goes through the defender's legs. He possibly unsights the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly the confidence to shoot from there and the accuracy to stick it, you know, right in right in the corner. Um, fair play to him. Like you say, good winner from from Bayless. But it, it is a, knock, a long ball, knock forward, and even the goal. He's still got a lot to do when he scores. It's not like we carved him up for the. The Bowman goal is a perfect example of the goal we try and score. That was a better goal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's done brilliantly to get the goal, and that settled a few of our nerves. I think for the next, certainly the next period of the game, we uh, we grew into it on the back of the goal, and Burton looked a little bit shell shocked. Um, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. I think I don't think it knocked them fully out their stride. They still controlled it. They didn't quite have that kind of cutting edge they had in those early mm. moments. I would agree. With they, you. But they, they maybe from five minutes. Yeah, then they, they got back in it. Yeah, I think they controlled the the ball. Yeah. They had more of the possession, but they were they were snatchy with passes. Then you could mm. tell they were they were under a bit of pressure. And they there they was shocked. a period where they kept passing the ball out of play or controlling it out of play, and they they sort of lost their composure a little. Even if they retained the ball, we didn't really you know dominate the game. But yeah. I just thought it just it just knocked them a bit, and they probably thought, oh, here we go again. But um, 
Yeah, uh, possession was 60-40 again in this game, so um, I'll come to possession stats in a minute, but it was continues the long run of us having less of the ball in games this season. But um, to be fair, it should have been 1-1 pretty much straight away because they did get up the, the right-hand side and had a long throw. The guy mm. had a long throw. It was basically, they had a long throws from the right-hand side and we had them from the left with Nurse <laughs> and it was a, a battle of long throws at one point. But um, until Nurse went off and I was yeah. and I was, I was screaming at one point, wasn't I? Why are we not taking a long throw? And you nudged me and went, Nurse has gone off. About 10 minutes after he got off as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my observation is during the game up to speed as usual. Um, but yeah, it was one of those ones actually when we talk about Nurse, it went right to the back post and a guy headed it back across. Marosi was stranded. Mm. Looked like it was going in, didn't it? We were like, oh no. And then yeah. Nurse just sort of come from nowhere and headed it clear off the line. It was an yeah. amazing save. Brilliant header because he's, he's running back into his own goal as well. So he's got to nook, hook his neck around it yeah. and, and head it away. Um, and he gets good distance on it as well. It's not just stopping it on the line. He's, he's properly cleared it. So um, just good reactions and, and it goes to show that it's nice to see our players not not giving up when it looks like it's over. Mm. They're, they're putting it in right into the last and, and seeing what they can get done. Um, so, yeah, I like George Nurse. I think I've mentioned him on here before. I, I think he's an excellent footballer, um, really committed. He, he had, didn't have his best game last week, but I thought he was he was better again this week. He sort of yeah, I agree. rallied. No, I, I was quite harsh on him last week because he had two bad games back-to-back, mm. but um, he was back, back to his sort of best football, really, playing as a, a, a traditional left-back, which got I think a... is best, his best position. He's not a left-wing back, is yeah, he, at the end of the day? but he's also got to score one of these long-ranges soon because he hits the ball <laughs> so clean, doesn't he? But he just doesn't seem to get the target on it. So We were going to mention that. He had a shot just before half-time where he smashed it high and wide, and it, but it looked good. when He always yeah. looks good when he hits them. He's a, great, he's a good technician, that's what I said about him. He's a really good technical footballer, so he, clean, he, he does strike the ball well, mm. but... Yeah, because I likened him on the day to Roberto Carlos, who you know he scored did. one worldy free kick and then took the next ten years of his career striking <laughs> long-range free kicks and never getting one in. So maybe he needs one to go in, and it'll go the other way. You'll score hundreds. So, double yeah. figures by the end of the season. Then yeah, there we yeah. go. Um, I, I found it got quite dark then, but I was wearing my prescription sunglasses on Saturday, Jesus, so yeah. it probably wasn't quite as dark as Might I thought it was. The match with Ray Charles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, if anyone sees me on certain match days, I, I might come across like I'm a little bit blind now, but I've got prescription sunglasses. So there we go. Anyway, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be wearing them during the winter nights because I couldn't see anything. Um, but the floodlights came on really early, actually, and it gives us a chance just to comment on something Brian said this week. I think the Daily Mail had phoned him up asking for a comment on this chat about early kickoffs and stuff because. Brian had basically said that with all of the increase in um, energy costs, and like we're all suffering, aren't we, over this mm. winter, um, that there's a, there's a chance that our electricity bill for a year could go from £100,000 to £200,000, almost being doubled. And Man. obviously, some clubs are already starting to ask them, I think Mansfield are one of them, are asked to start their Saturday kickoffs at 12 o'clock yeah. in the afternoon so that they can avoid putting their floodlights on. And you thought it was interesting, they came on so early. We obviously got shafted on Saturday by, by, a, yeah. by a, a storm coming over. So um, that was probably another 10 grand on the bill. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, I don't know, what do you make about early kickoffs on Saturdays? Is it, it doesn't, you know, what are your thoughts really having sort of seen the discussion around that this week? Uh, yeah, if they're for you know cost-cutting reasons and the good of the football club, I'm all for it. I mean, I couldn't be a Premier League fan. Well, I could if we were any good enough. But <laughs> it seems difficult when they, you know, Friday nights, Saturday mornings, Sunday afternoons, and stuff. It being bounced around the schedule seems quite difficult. But um, yeah, you know, Saturday, Saturday one o'clock or Saturday three o'clock, it's it's all much for muches. But I, I feel for the people who sort of set their working lives yeah, up around it, tough. or you know, family, childcare, and things, and it, it's set around a three p.m. kickoff. It's there's a lot more to it than just the club saving money on floodlights because. If you if you save a certain amount of money, but you've got a thousand less people coming because they mm. can't make it at the different time, you, you, it might be a bit of a false economy. So there's probably more to it to be discussed than, than just the timing of it. I think the Mansfield will be the canary in the, in the coal mine, won't mm. they? Really, if if they find their crowds have stayed up and they're saving ten grand, yeah. um, a few other clubs might sort of stick stick with that idea. Yeah. But it feels a bit weird to me that you've sold season tickets on the principle that people think I'll be going to the football on Saturday yeah. at three o'clock. You've got a lot of you know, dads or mums that might teach the, uh, coach their kids on a Saturday morning yeah. in football and you may not have time to get back for a 12 mm. o'clock kickoff, but you bought your 
season ticket. You know, it feels like yeah. surely there's something in the terms and conditions that means you can't, you know, just completely change the sort of principle of what you'd already bought, I suppose. But I, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of like you. If it was something that was manageable and it didn't really annoy everybody and everyone, there was, there was some way of managing people that were upset, maybe refunding their season tickets or whatever, I don't know. But if it was something that would save the club money in the long run, I suppose it's not, it's not worth not looking at, is it? Because... Yeah. Like, you know, you just think about your own bills in, in what's going to be like this winter and a football club's going to be, you know, infinitely worse with kind of less support yeah. from the government. So we don't want to kind of, you know, it's, it's like COVID. You don't want the club to kind of kill itself over the next no. six, six months again because of things that are out of control for them, really. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Mansfield go and, and kind of see how that filters across the league, really. I, I, I saw the, um, the the chairman, Andy Holt, from Accrington talking yeah. on Twitter earlier on today and he was like, Basically, he asked his manager what he wants to do, and he was like, "No, kickoffs are three o'clock on a Saturday." Yeah. And essentially, both clubs have to agree to the moving of the kickoff. So, I'd, I'd you know, some clubs you're never going to be able to get it done with, I suppose. So, it's, yeah, so Mansfield have to agree every week then with the team they're playing, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see whether whether they get on with that, really. Oh, yeah, because you, you'll have your match day rhythm. Your players will turn up at a certain time. They'll eat yeah. at a certain time. They'll warm up at a certain time. Yeah. You kick it all back in the day. It can. It might throw it off a bit as well. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, in terms of when it was getting dark, uh, it was nothing actually going on on the pitch because um, Nurse went out injured and we didn't he was down for quite a while Nurse yeah. it was a bit of a, a bit of a crocky challenge wasn't it but we didn't know at the time this was going to have a very big impact on what happened at the end of the game so hmm. um, we, shall, we shall come back to that but yeah in terms of kind of the rest of the half I said Nurse had that good shot late on Lee he had a good header well it wasn't a good header he headed it over it was a good chance I thought um, yeah, they had a a few chances doing doing um, sort of their, their good football they were playing. We were offside too much, I thought. Um, yeah, and Sometimes, yeah. you mentioned chasing shadows, we definitely were. I thought Winchester probably stood out to me in that first half, working really, really hard. Um, so he, he did okay in that sort of more defensive role, um, considering he, he played sort of right, right back. It's funny you say that. I thought, I, I didn't really notice him on Saturday. Okay. Maybe that's a, a testament to him just doing yeah. the hard work. Like, But I, I think of the players that play the weekend, I found... like I. He was quite anonymous, but maybe I just wasn't watching him play really. But Cottrell's really positive about him at the yeah. end of the game, which was interesting. So there we go. But the defence stood tall um, and saw that one 0 win out. I thought Morosi did really well with what he was doing. Um, his kicking wasn't noticeably poor on Saturday. It was so good, I thought. Saturday, yeah. yeah, it was. It was fine. Um, and yeah, got in a one nil. It was. I'd say it was against the run of play. One it one nil up at half time. You felt like, you know, that was that was quite good for us considering how the half had gone. Yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. And I think it was the pervading sort of opinion around the ground. So at half time, I went and saw our parents. Yes, I went to saw my father-in-law and um, and his brother-in-law. I, I went and saw some friends of ours down in the concourse, and almost everybody said, "Oh, that was a hard watch, wasn't it? Ooh, <laughs> it's a bit boring." I thought we're winning, guys, but, the, but yeah, everybody was a little bit, um, yeah, it, it wasn't enthusiastic about winning one. It was just like we got away with that. Hopefully, we can do better in the second half, really. Mm. Um, and you know, the second half was, I think, it was slightly more entertaining, probably. But um, yeah, that's what you kind of say. We're winning games, but it's it's not easy to watch. But then, uh, poor Earth's team wasn't always easy to watch. Oh, um, it was it's infinitely results. better. Than, <laughs> yes, infinitely better than the style of play Cottrell has. Um, Burton did come straight back out though um, when that second half started, and again utilised that pace they had, particularly in the attacking areas. Um, but yeah, luckily during this period, really um, stopping them scoring earlier, I think, was probably quite key. And Morosi was. Um, Morosi was huge in in terms of his moments that he had in this game, but particularly um, early on in this in this half. So yeah, there was a, a save he made where he sort of spilled it out, and it looked like he'd made an error, but sort of recovered from it and made a sort of amazing backup save, which sort of stopped them scoring. I think it was after sort of five six minutes of the half, and then straight away, Town got cut open down the right hand side. Um, ball got kind of cut back and it came all the way to the back post and uh, there was a guy there and all, it looked for all the world he was going to score. Yeah. Sort of took his time to to measure his shot, hammered it. Um, at goal and to be fair to Morosi he got right behind it um, 
And little did we know at the time, he got right behind it, but not quite as accurately as you might want your hands to be, mm. and dislo- dislocated a finger. Went down for absolutely ages. Um, over six minutes, the delay was. Um, we've got Harry Burgoyne walking up. He's, he's warming up. Then he's got his... He's got the punch got, bag out, yeah. He's got, he's, got, he's got his top off. He's fully kitted out. He's on the side of the pitch ready to come on. And then all of a sudden, you you, you and uh, Andy Davis, the ladder sits in front of us, saying, he's put his glove back on. Yeah. And so, yeah, Morosi, apparently, they, they put his finger back in. Um, he, he cut all his hand open as well, so it must have dislocated. And He's hard, didn't he? Whoa, yeah, fair play to him. It was a pr- proper man's man moment, mm. if you will. Um, and yeah, put his glove back on. Um, he made the save. Uh, eventually, they started with a the corner. They cleared it away and didn't really show any ill effects afterwards no. from it. So I thought, you know, he, obviously the manager said the same thing, but fair play to Morosi. He showed as much commitment as you'd ever want your goalkeeper to show for playing for your football club yeah. there. I think when you're playing as well as he was on Saturday, he was brilliant on Saturday. Great. You won't want to come off either. No. You know, that was... I, I, don't, I can't think of any better games he's had for us. He, he pulls off some of those worldy saves quite regularly but to do two or three in a match and some of his kicking was really good some of mm. his you know coming and claiming the ball high balls yeah punching he punched one away late on my little lad was amazed that somebody could punch a ball so far so <laughs> he had a brilliant game and um, I'm certainly glad he stayed on because you can see a real uh, connection between him Dunkley um, certainly um, Pennington as well Flanagan when they're in they seem to have set a real Real tight unit, mm. and although they're often you know bollocking each other when mistakes are made, especially for the goal, yeah, big high fives, big hugs when things are going right, and you can see that they 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 really hate conceding goals, mm. and you know they're going to work every week for clean sheets. Um, yeah. So yeah, like yeah, you can't see can't say too much about him on Saturday, and um, yeah, some of the saves like that one you're talking about, and the one that he did later on, did that, um, that was brilliant. The second one deserved to win the game just on the basis of those, like you know, and yeah. I think anybody that sort of you know might be alluding to something later in the pod, but anybody that didn't have his man of the match yeah. the weekend is. Um, he was a different game. He was sponsors man of the match, uh, and, and often goalkeepers are hard to get a man of the match, mm. you know. So it does show how well he played on Saturday, um, and and that's positive. Uh, poor old Harry Bergoyne, he almost got a minute of league football, but it didn't quite it didn't quite happen in the end. I think Harry... he is, he'd spent that appearance for you already, hadn't he? Yeah, and he had to sit back down. Yeah, you harshly said at one point when Morosi made a save, Harry wouldn't have saved that. Harsh that. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no comment. Let's be like that because I said something about Harry Bergoyne on Twitter once, and I got. A, a, <laughs> I got a message from somebody related to Harry Bergoyne oh, about no. it. Yeah, yeah oh, maybe dear. I won't do that again. It's like when Rico Rico Pike's dad uh, sent me a yeah. message on Twitter, but the less said about that, the better. Um, uh, in terms of looking at something slightly more negative, I suppose before we get to, to well, kind of leads into the goal, I suppose really. But um, Taylor Moore. So we've been talking on the podcast, and me and you've been talking about it, and we've we've kind of gone over that comment. And one of our friends was back at the weekend, Jerry Leahy, and he he often brings up that quote he saw from Taylor Moore saying, "Well, I don't really like playing central midfielder. Yeah. I'm not really a central midfielder, but I'll do a job." And clearly he thinks his position is centre-back. Now, apparently he was pretty poor against Port Vale in the Pizza Trophy game in the right. week. So, him starting again at centre-back, I think anyone that was at that game was a bit like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. <sighs> don't know, he's a bit weak for a, for a big man with a sort of hard kind of haircut. He yeah. got shrugged off the ball a few times in dangerous positions. What did you make of his overall performance, I suppose, on Saturday? Um, yeah, he seemed to be trying hard to impress, I think. That's mm. probably the first thing. And um, often you get, you get those times when... You're trying to, they're almost trying to jockey the ball and they worry too much about the player and the ball and the yeah. player just nicks the ball because they're a bit sort of in between two minds. But I just thought, yeah, he seemed a little bit um, a little bit nervous possibly and, and just a little bit, yeah, he seemed a little bit fragile almost. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I'm not sure, he's not a centre, well, he didn't seem to be a centre mid, but I thought he'd had a couple of good games as centre mid, just, just yeah. holding it, breaking it and giving it's it. Right. Um, but that's the first time I've seen him at centre half and I suppose it's difficult to drop into a, an established three or a two Um 
trying to get up to speed with their game because they've been playing every week. Um, but he, he definitely looked like the weaker of the three. And mm. if you're Burton, you're looking to target him a little bit. But mm. hopefully it's just a settling in thing. Um, but I suppose Flanagan will be back next week, will he? So. I, I, my, my personal view is I think we'll see Flanagan come back in as soon as he's back. Yeah. And I think that Winchester's probably going to take Moore's place as that other defensive midfielder. Midfield, alongside yeah. Yeah. So I think Moore might end up being more of an option off the bench, which is great because he's a clearly a tidy little player yeah. in, in general. You know, having him as an option off the bench again is something that will be good going forward this season. So um, he might have to take a little rotate out of the team. He's played most games this season, so you know everyone's going to have to take a break at some point. So I, I think we, I think we might see that over the next few he'll weeks. Be the, sort of, yeah, he'll rotate. He'll be the rotating centre half or the rotating midfielder, but that means he's going to play nearly all half the games because yeah, you've got to keep the, those two positions fresh, haven't you? Yeah, and unfortunately they got back equalising. I mean, to be fair, you couldn't really. <laughs> You couldn't really give them, not say they didn't deserve at least a goal in this game. Mm. Um, down the left-hand side, sort of cut in, cut back to a guy not far out. Um, I think sort of Morosi looks like he makes an initial save, but this sort of spills it and then sort of it gets tapped in from yeah. a yard out. Um, messy. messy. Dunkley and Morosi sort of arguing it. I don't think they quite got their positioning 100% right on this, but maybe maybe that was more on, on Dunkley, I suppose, because Morosi did get to the ball. Um, mm. Yeah, 1-1. One, one. And, you know, at the time, it felt like it had been coming... And you, yeah. you felt like, OK, we're, we're going to have to hang on here. And I actually thought beyond this point, we probably had the best bit of the game we had yeah. from when it went 1-1. But And that was a tactical thing we'll come to in a minute. But yeah, at the time you started to think, oh no, where's this headed? Yeah, it was, it was one of those goals where just a, a split second switch off. I think looking back at it on the the, um, the highlights this morning, they're sort of knocking a few passes in between. And Leahy seems to get caught watching the ball. Yeah. Um, and it's his man that, that runs off for the through ball. who puts the cross in it. And because he's free in the box, Lee doesn't go with him. One of the defenders has to come across, and it just creates a real big space in the middle of the pitch. Mm. The ball goes across. Morosi can't quite get a hand on it. I think it kind of hits Dunkley, and then the striker yeah, just taps maybe. it in. So it's a bit of a mess, all, all from just one brief period of switching off. And that's it's unlike us as a team. I think often, you know, we're, even though we're under the cosh, we're you know we're making the tackles and we're throwing the bodies in, and it's just a shame. You know, all you need is one little bit of a switching off, and it, it's a bit of a disaster. But like you say, it kind of woke us up a little bit after that. I think. Um, well. Cottrell didn't hang around yeah. for once and you know as again like we talked up right at the front flexibility and options to make changes and he certainly did straight away he went back to the, the wing backs approach that we played mm. all season maybe just to give us a bit of solidity initially just to kind of stem that Burton tide from getting the second straight away but then also because Bennett was available to come back yeah. and play and he's quality. He's a quality right wing back and can do a really good job in that position um, so yeah Bennett came on um, we went back to sort of the five at the back and, and moved the midfield round a little bit um, Bowman also came on and we played two strikes up front which I thought was key yeah. um, kind of wrestled back some of the initiative that we'd not really had at any point during the game so far um, so yeah you, you know you've got to, we've got to give Cottrell all the credit really because it was from that point onwards we, we played much better in this game I thought and again probably was an even game towards the end and we managed to get the winner whereas before mm. it had mostly been Burton yeah we finished strongest but the, the change again the changes Cottrell's made there I think you know, like you say Bennett was key he came on his, his experience and his sort of understanding of how to just to just to manage the game and keep the ball moving yeah, was, um, massive. was perfect so he just took a lot of the sting out of out of, um, out of Burton's attacks a little mm. bit but also yeah, bringing Bowman on just pushed their centre-halves back it, it closed up that gap in the midfield they were playing through and it just made us a little bit more solid so again the skill of a manager is to spot what he can affect in the game and affect it properly yep. so that's why he's been managing at a higher level than us for a long time because he can do that where we've seen you know, quite a few managers, you know, your Ricketts, your Askies, yeah. they look like a deer in the headlights when their game plan doesn't work and they don't know what to do. So, um, yeah, again, you know, it's sometimes it's not the easiest watch, but it, you, you can believe longer with this team because you think they might be able to change something. And it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a, a compliment to Bowman that he's bringing him on because he's got other striker options and there's been some question marks around Bowman recently. 
Um, you know, he didn't have the best game against Exeter when he came in, missed a couple of sitters. Mm. So for him to come on and score the winner again, it, it keeps his po- his positivity up, and I think keeps him in the mix for that striking position. Yep. Um, which keeps the squad competitive. So yeah, a good subs, well made, and and got us back in the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a key moment just before the, the Bowman goal, which we'll get to in a minute, where Burton Burton had a chance after Pennington made a little mistake, and they got in and they put it just wide, and mm. it was literally just wide. And that miss was probably pretty critical in terms yeah. of the way the game went because it stopped them just taking that advantage from the the goal they just scored. But yeah, it, yeah, obviously we go we go down the other end, and um, probably the best bit of football in the game from us, to yeah. be brutally honest about it. Um, we've got the ball in midfield, just a nice little move. It comes into Bayliss, um, and he just plays like a really, really nice killer cutting through pass, the yes. like of which we do not see anywhere near enough as a football club. Um, put in Shipley, he runs down the left-hand side, and fair play to Shipley, he picks his head up, he sp- sees Bowman, he sees the run Bowman's making, and he puts it on a plate for him. He it's can't miss it. Perfect. Yeah, it's, Great it's, stuff. It's Good a one. lovely goal to watch. That um, That pass from Bayliss is so sweet, because there's a... If you see it on the, the Shrewsbury Twitter feed, um, yeah, I watched it today. There's a behind the camera, behind the goal camera, and you, it, it's basically up the line of the pass, and it splits two lines, so it splits the midfield and the defence, and it gets Shipley in behind. It is, it is, it's perfect on weight, it's perfect on shape, and he's hitting mm-hmm. the outside of the boot, and then like you say, Shipley's on it, um, and that's what I was expecting from Shipley. This sort of thing, he's getting in behind and he's slipping a ball across, and again, he split two defenders and a goalkeeper to get yep. it through to Bowman. Perfect, it's, it's inch perfect. Um, and as soon as we scored it, we you know we were obviously up and celebrating, and we were all looked at each other and said, "The first bit of football we played today, and that's what we produce, and that's what I want to see more of." You know, actual passes, looking up, trusting a teammate, taking a risk with a pass, not always backwards and sideways. Um, I'm not one of the people who boos when it goes back to the goalkeeper. I don't believe in that, but we are very um, safety first as a team, and that pass from Bayless is why I really like him. He's he's a different sort of footballer to everybody else in the squad. He he passes the ball in different directions, he looks in different directions, and he moves differently he's 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 what I thought Shipley would be he seems to be that link you know the often mentioned John Nolan the Ryan Woods that yep the one that's going to get the ball from the midfield and put it through behind the defense with one slip pass um and I think he's been an absolute steal of a find and mm. he's been he's been excellent so far this season yeah it's interesting we had a really big discussion about him last week and I, I was struggling on the podcast to find a word to describe him like we talked about classy and not not he's not a luxury player because he also mixes it up pretty good as well we all mm. like put a foot in he's quite hard um, and then I was talking to the kids last night and they were they were saying he's wavy that's how the kids describe you know someone I don't like, know what that means <laughs> nor do I but no. I, that's what I was told his but, hair's quite wavy yeah exactly yeah. maybe that's what it is but a good comparison was um, Paul Kitts on Twitter he was saying he reminds him of like Ben Smith yeah. That, not the Ben Smith, the goalkeeper, but Ben Smith. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Ben Smith, the goalkeeper. <laughs> the midfielder. We've just that kind of... That's, that's the sort of style he's got for anyone yeah. that hasn't seen him play yet. And I think that was a really good comparison. Someone else on Twitter also mentioned John Cullen, who's a player that played like 10 games for us in 1999, mm. which I'm sure you will definitely not remember because I don't remember. But again, maybe a player like that from players who can remember him playing for us. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He, he's definitely... Uh, saying he's a, a steal is a really yeah. good word, I think. you know, We'll come to players who've impressed early on in this season. He's definitely going to be up there yeah. in contention. Right, about and he's just... Yeah. He's, he's he's not he's always looking to make something happen when he's on the ball, which is it's all I ask for from a footballer. I love yeah. it, and especially when they're in that little pocket of space. But equally, he's quite good in the air as well. I've noticed he's quite tall and he does get he's up and win a flick on. And, yeah, yeah, he's decent. He's he's definitely uh, it's definitely a different type of player to say like a Norburn. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like you know, yeah. not quite as attritional, but definitely with a bit more bit more skills about him. Um, just quickly to say on that as well, you were talking about the way we scored that goal. Actually, when you think about the start of the season, we relied on set pieces and mm. we relied on long throws and corners so much, and we just weren't scoring goals from open play now. Yep. But if you think about it, 
the good, nice little passing move we had for the goal at Forest Green. Um, yeah. Then we had a nice. We scored a good goal at Port Vale last week. Do you know what I mean? Nice little passing move between Pike and, yeah. and Sadie. And then this goal again on Saturday. It's starting to happen. Yes. You know, as a manager, you can start to point at things and say, "This is what we're trying to work towards." You mm. know, these are the kind of goals I want to score. And hopefully, the, and the fans will bloody react to that, won't they? If we start scoring more of those. I think I've got a stat project for you, Glenn. Oh really? Okay. Over the seasons, what percentage of our goals are from set pieces and from open play? If you can pull that together, it'd be okay. interesting. We'll have a look. We'll yeah. have a look. I could tell. Well, I'll go into an odyssey, a statistical odyssey I'm in the middle of, but that's for another day when we do a special episode. But um, yeah, I'll have a look into that. I mean, at the moment, it's probably 50 50, I would reckon now, but yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look. Yeah. Um, yes, quick question on you as well. Obviously, we made another sub a little bit after this as well, just kind of trying to keep that momentum going. Sadie ran himself into the ground, I thought, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Street came on and just sort of did the same role. They're yeah. kind of similar players in some respects in terms of how much energy they put into the game. So having them to swap around until then one of them's fit enough to play 90 minutes is quite good. But what, yeah. what have you made of Sadie so far? You've not had a chance to talk about him. I've, yeah, I've, seen, I've only seen him a couple of times. I wasn't at Port Vale, but um, mm. the both times I've seen him again, he's he's somebody who's, who seems to be doing something different. There's there's stepovers, there's sort of little sort of rainbow flicks, and he's but he's also with it. He's you know he's a he's a grown man. He's a, even though he's a young kid, yeah, he's strong and he's he's quick. Um, and obviously he's a good finisher. He showed that um, in the last, you know, at Vale. I saw his goal on, on the highlights. Good goals. Seen it again today. He seems like a, a, a just a really good footballer all around. Really. Um, yeah. Again, another one. You know, a gem unearthed. Possibly. You know, is he? Are we going to have another sort of Kai Kai ten sort of twelve fifteen goal a season? Tyrese Campbell. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Which would be again brilliant for us to. Sort of, now we've lost Udo. We're all wondering where the goals are going to come from. Is this the guy that's going to replace Danny with the with a few goals? You know, so early signs are really good, and he looks like he enjoys his football. He looks like he's enjoying playing, enjoying being part of a you know a first team squad. Um, yeah. And the fans are taking to him as well, which always helps. You know, the fans are excited to see him in the team, mm. or if he comes on, that you know he he lifts the crowd because they expect something from him. So he looks like another good addition. Um, and I think he can play through the middle or, or from out wide. So yeah, ticking a lot of boxes at the moment. Coach will mention that again that they can play. He can play across the front line anywhere. Yeah. He's, he's sort of that kind of player. So um, that's going to be quite positive. Um, we did have our first a genuine proper spell of control in the game on 82 minutes. I thought um, <laughs> where we had a couple of balls and Bennett was pulling strings on the right hand side and we were crossing balls in and they were heading it away and we we pushed them back like literally for possibly the first time in the whole game mm. they sat deep and and we actually pushed them back for about two three or four minutes. So that was that was nice. It took 82 minutes. But we got there in the end um, and that culminated with a shot that Lee he had and he fired just wide as well yeah. um, that was a lovely strike really good strike yeah. but yeah a bit unfortunate and then yeah we were just getting towards the end it was like a couple of minutes left oh, get a couple of minutes injury time we'll be off here I think everyone had kind of forgotten how long the injury breaks had been during the game oh, yeah. ball, go- ball goes up how many minutes Mike? yeah 13 minutes <laughs> That's part of a quarter of an hour extra football. I mean, that's value for money, if nothing else, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, you get any money. I mean, 13 is normally an unlucky number, but thankfully, thankfully yeah. it wasn't. And to be fair, I thought Town managed that period quite well. Yes. Um, I thought they did well with kind of killing the ball and, and sort of trying to break it up as much as possible. Um, there was a really good chance. I, I kind of described it as a Gascoigne chance on Saturday mm. where they put a ball in from the right-hand side and there was a guy sliding back post and it was almost like, you know, where the, the Gascoigne Euro 96 yep. Germany won if he just got his studs on it. Stud, yeah. um, but it didn't. they didn't quite get it on there. Um, and then, yeah, there was a late late Burton free kick on the edge of the box, which they messed up. Got headed. We sort of headed it out for a corner. We defended the corner well. And that was the last chance. Yeah. Whistle went, 2-1 win. Um as, as you've said a couple of times, not pretty, but pretty effective. I think that's what I'm going to call this podcast um, because it is effective. And we ended yeah. up, as we said, ninth in the league on, on the end of the day. So 
that was good. We yeah. were really buzzing, weren't we, on Saturday? You know, we'd had a nice time at the pub beforehand. We'd seen Shrewsbury win. We were ninth in the league. Yeah. We thought, we'll go and put some money into the football club. We'll go to Smithy's for a post-match drink. Yep. We were going to wait for the second bus back to the Prince, weren't we? So we thought, yeah, we're going to have a quick pint. While what we're happened? Waiting. Oh, the door was locked. There's no, you couldn't get in there. <laughs> it's completely shut. Yeah. And we have no idea. I, I tried. To, I asked one of the SLO guys on Saturday um, when we got back to the Prince of Wales. Eventually, Mike Davis was there, and I said, "What's going on with Smithy's? It, it was shut like post-match. You think having had this grand reopening, and and there was like a good buzz around." The ground, you know, at the moment, there, there was lots of people trying to get in there, wasn't there? there? Were, trying yeah, the yeah, door. Yeah. You probably could have had like 50 people in there having drinks, you know, that's what a couple hundred quid, isn't it, buying yeah. the bar? It was shut, and I asked Mike, and he was like, I don't know. So I don't know whether it was something to do with the injury time or there's a certain time it has to open or just that it was shut for staffing reasons. I don't know. I saw there was a thread on Blue and Amber about it on Saturday and someone was indicating they might have had some staffing issues. But it seems stupid to have a grand reopening of it and it not be open after the match. So that was, that was a bit of a shame, that really, for the club. Yeah, it's 50% of your chance in the day to, to make some money, isn't it? Pre-match, yeah. post-match. Um, you don't need a couple of staff on post-match. It's not going to be banging, but... I think I remember when we first came to the ground, or when that bit, when the, when that bar was built, they used to have the matches on post match, you know, the Sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there used to be a, a fair few people would go in there to watch the post match and stuff. But I did like it, it's definitely been reopened, right? It was open pre match. Yeah, it? it was yeah. open pre match. Yeah, yeah, very strange. We walked off with our money in our pockets and yeah, yeah spent in the Prince instead. Yeah. Uh, hopefully someone will sort that out because it, it'd be it'd, you know, especially when you're getting the buses back and it's a Saturday where there's lots of people coming up on the yeah. Prince of Wales bus, you've got a chance to get that second one, but mm. also enjoy a bit of pre match atmosphere with other fans. But yeah, we wasn't to be unfortunately. So hopefully Brian will look into that. Let's finish off with some positives. Top threes, Mike. Who was your man of the match? Uh, yeah, I alluded to this earlier. I went for Morosi first, just a, an excellent display, and, and yep. a large part of the win was down to him. I know yep. he didn't, doesn't score the goals, but he keeps them out the other end. Damn right. Um, second was for Bayliss because, he, like I say, he, he just does something different. That, the pass for the goal is is absolutely crucial, but also his overall play. He, he was cycling the ball around a lot, and he was he was sort of here, there, and everywhere, winning flick-ons and putting his foot in. So I thought he was quite all action. Uh, and then third would be uh, Bennett because I thought his introduction and the way he helped us manage the yeah, game and just fair. talking people through it meant that we didn't, you know, end up under too much pressure in the end when we we sort of got our foothold back in the game. So, sort of three players who were key in the result really for me on that one. Yeah, I totally agree with Morosi and Bayliss. Um, I was going to say Dunkley for third, but the more I've thought about it, as we've talked, actually, I think I would rather give Sadie the third place. Mm. I think he, as I say, took his goal really well, but he also worked his, his arse off during the whole game until he got subbed off late on. So, yeah, I would Morosi first, Bayliss second, for the same reasons you had, and Sadie, as I mentioned, third place. Um, in terms of Steve, um, yeah, interesting first comment, really, and he was really keen to express this comment like early on in the press conference. So, started off with just saying, great result, and then basically went off to say the following comment, um, you, you he basically said, but to start off with, I think I've overtrained the players this week. And I think that's why there was some tiredness in us after 60 minutes onwards. But that's a lesson for me. Then He then went on to say that having 30 minutes of injury time was not ideal because yeah. of the circumstance. But, you know, Steve Cottrell admitting a mistake. We've not seen that too many times yeah. in press conferences. I mean, <laughs> fair play for admitting he's overtraining them. But yeah. I don't know what he's overtraining them on because it's not, you know, it's not retaining the ball and attacking with flair, is it? Um but yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you got to hold your hands up. Sometimes you get you get things wrong. But also, we said that's why there was some tiredness in us after sixty. But I thought probably our best part yeah. of the game was after sixty minutes. It's so a bit of a weird one. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, he obviously knows what he's what he's talking about with the players. You know, week to week. So um, hopefully, overtraining this week means a lighter week next week, and then you know they're gonna have a a better performance on the back of it mm. the weekend so yeah mm. we'll see how it goes yeah you know, he was very high on the performances of a lot of the lads on the Saturday I'll come to, to a few of the specific ones in a moment um, he did call it a lucky day which I think mm. is probably fair considering the way the game went and the chances they missed um, 
he noted the change of formation and how quickly he made that change of formation and how quick we got the goal was really yeah. key in the game, which is fair enough. We, we kind of said the same thing. Really high on Marco Morosi, obviously. Um, and he said Morosi at the end there was brilliant. He cut his hand, dislocated his finger. That's why there was so much time added on. But I thought he was magnificent in goal. And I think he probably earned himself a few days off because I can't see him doing much goalkeeping at mm. the moment. So, yeah, I think that's probably fair, isn't it? We've got a week before the next game. So let Morosi have a couple of days off, heal his finger mm. and his cut. Let's get him back on Saturday at Cheltenham, really, because we're going to need him. Um, he then had a little joke about Sadie um, when he said, he said, two and two is not good enough, and he'll get a well done when it's 20 and 20. So big expectations. Yeah, no, I like that. Big expectations. I mean, that just goes to show that <laughs> what we're saying about him looking like a bit of a, a, a gem find. You know, Cottrell obviously fancies him for goals. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how, how that plays out. And an interesting quote right at the end where he said, I think at the moment the football club seems in a pretty good place. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I think in terms of the football side of things and where we sit in the table, that's completely fair. But um, I think maybe some people might argue with that. But you know, mm-hmm. we've been in worse places over the last ten, fifteen years, haven't we? So mm-hmm. that's that's for sure. So yeah, all in all, good Saturday. He was quite he was quite happy. As yeah. were we all? He did, he did the thing at the end with the fans. He doesn't do it to the West End, does he? Well, we're all yeah. moan, moan at the West End, don't we? I don't blame him. <laughs> well, the booing comes from. Yes, loads of crap from us. He's not well, but I, I think he, he, again, you, you see this sort of post-match he's done here, and he's starting doing the pre-match. He mm. seems to be coming a bit more onside and and sort of a bit more of a figurehead for the club. For a long time, he wasn't moaning people's cup of tea because he seemed quite dour and seemed quite distant, and mm. he would just concentrate on the football side and wouldn't really get involved. Um, but I know you said it was at the, the end of season awards last season. He spoke really well and he yep. was very engaging, and he seems to be really trying to build a bridge at least with the south stand. Um, yeah. Yep. And hopefully, you know, the performances are okay. His players are playing well. He's getting more positive questions. Hopefully, we can start to see some of the side of, of Steve Cottrell that the Bristol City fans fell in love with, because. You always want to love your manager. Yeah. And frankly, it feels a bit hard done by for him. The performance in the league, where we stand, how the season started, you feel like you should be getting more love um, because he's doing a good job, fundamentally. Yep. Um, so hopefully we can start to see you know the fans get on the side and just sort of a bit of a coming together because I think it's probably he's... beyond time now. His time with us has been fascinating through COVID, yeah. almost dying, yep. then all the love he had from that, mm-hmm. then the worse than Ricketts ball run that we had where we just were not scoring all of last yeah. year to come in at full circle now to starting off and we'll come to some of the stats in a minute but which is one of the best starts we had in League One in the last you know 15 years sort of things as well whatever it is eight nine years since we came up so you know when you look at statistically you cannot criticize the job he's doing no. i totally agree with you but at the same time we've still watched the last few games even yeah. when we've taken three wins from four most of it's been pretty horrible to watch. It's it's a real weird it's, it's dichotomy be, that some people can't get over. It's going to be fascinating to see at the end <laughs> of the Cottrell era because all eras end at some point. You might be here for another 10 years. But when it all Who finishes, knows, yeah. looking back and seeing how much crap he had to possibly unpick from Ricketts and mm. some of the restrictions around COVID and stuff and whether we had the full picture and what will all come out in the end. But I, I like to think, you know, there can be a bit of a blank slate here, and we, we you know, we, we go on from here. And some people have some reservations about it, and can maybe park them for a bit and just just get me on the team. But um, and I'm one of those people, you know, I've been openly critical of Ricketts, uh, of Cottrell, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just kind of positive to see where we can go. Hopefully, the foot, the, the quality of the entertainment goes up. But if the points keep coming in, you can't argue, can you? No, it's very much. A, a journey, isn't it, a football club? And and you need a, you need your fan base to be positive along with the team and the players, yeah, don't you? I think and, so. and the Hurst season shows us that. You know, we're sitting high up the table. I, I do agree with you. Exactly what you're saying is that why not get on this journey now? Mm. If we can all kind of get hype about it and give those lads that extra ten percent at home and away games, could take us somewhere. It yeah. Might might only be twelfth, but Jesus Christ, love, we just snapped around. <laughs> we just snapped around off a of twelfth a few yeah. times over the last few years. So, well, there we go. But anyway, we'll, we'll come to just looking at the ten games now um, in the next section because that'll give a bit more context as to quite how well we've done this so far. Luke Summerfield, 
Lovely corner. Deficit half. Brilliant free kick from Luke Summerfield. Hereford still complaining he shouldn't have been one in the first place. It doesn't matter now. It's 2-1 and it's game on. So 10 league games down. Time for our first review of where we're at, we're at in the season. Poor Ollie, he really likes the 10 game review. This was his <laughs> this was his idea, his baby back in the day when we first started doing the podcast. So I'm sure he's absolutely gutted to be missing out on this, but I'm sure we'll get his feedback. So for all the listeners, <laughs> you're probably going to get another one of these next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll want to have his, you'll want to have a say. He's away two weeks actually, so um, there we go. We'll have to see what's going on next week. But um, yeah, just some stats to give some context as to where we are in terms of the league form so far. Obviously, you know, in terms of the cups, we're out the we're out the pizza trophy. No one cares about that competition no. anymore. Not even Steve Cottrell. Is a Developmental competition, they said this week. I, so I, why anyone goes to it, God only knows. But it's there just go. a route to getting loads of fines, I think, isn't it? <laughs> it's just five grand here, five grand there. Lovely. Exactly. So we're out of that, and obviously out of the League Cup, but we got to surround two, so that wasn't too bad, I suppose. Um, but yeah, this is now, after 10 games, the second best start to a League One season since we came back up in 2012-2013. Um, so far, we've taken 15 points. Um, that beats 19-20, where we had 13, and obviously is below Hurst which is first on 26, which is just mental. Such years. an outlier, We've started it? really well this season, yeah. and it's still it's still 11 points less than the first season. Nah. Crazy, really. But yeah, as I say, it's two points better than that Ricketts um, season we started quite well in where we were in the playoff, on the edge of the playoffs at Christmas, mm. if you remember. So um, yeah, second best start to a League One season. Um, we are already seven points better off than we were at this point last season. So that's, a, that's you know, two and a, two and a bit games ahead of where we, we were. Um, so, you know, that puts you quite a long way up the table if you look at where the sort of teams finished last year. Yeah. Um, interesting, on the, on the flip side, we've had less shots and less shots on target in the opening 10 games this season than we did last year. Um, and actually, we've had less shots on target so far this season than in any of our League One seasons since we mm. came back. So that, That's where my concern about the sustainability yeah. of the style comes from. You just have to have, you know, the, the striker that's scoring has a bit of an off Consistent. fortnight month. Yeah. And then, you, the, you know, it, you're not having any other opportunities to score. So it's that's where I'm a little bit concerned about how sustainable it is. But, you know. That's when people talk about style, that's it, is that we're yeah. not still not having a huge amount of shots or shots on target in games compared to sort of other League One seasons with other managers. So interesting comparison. Um, and obviously, the possession stat is the other one which people are pointing out to do mm. with our style and why it's tough to watch. That is the ninth game in a row we had less of the ball than the opposition in the league. The only game we've had more of the ball so far this season was the first game versus Morecambe. So nine league games in a row we've had less of the ball. But, you know, we've got 15 points. So, you know, possession is not always nine-tenths of the law, is it? It's, it's a balance, I suppose. But that's mm. one of the reasons why you get those negatives towards the style and how it feels and, and that sort yeah. of thing. So, and it's stats are, you know, like, they might have all that possession, but it might be pointless passes across the back. You know, they might yep. have more shots, but they're all pot shots from long range and yep. they're never really troubling. So, but they're always a good idea. I think they're always a good identifier of, like, the output of your, of your play. If you've not got the ball <laughs> and you're not doing much with it, it seems a little bit risky. Mm, strange one. Yeah. And um, in terms of goal scoring and conceding, obviously it's been the best other than the Hurst season. So we've got mm. the, the second best record for scoring goals in the league this season after 10 games. And we've got the second best record for conceding goals um, after 10 games as well. So, you know, despite those two negative points above, the goal scoring and, and so, the defending has been better. It's so, odd, yeah, yeah, a real it's, odd disparity. It, that, it's really, it? really interesting season so far. I think, and, and that's why you do this 10 game review. You start to kind of compile some of these things together and you kind of get an idea of that's what it might be like going forward. Mm. And, 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 you know, it might be quite effective. So, um, that's where we are in terms of the stats. Um, one of the things we did today as well um, on this game review, it's not just me and you talking about it, is we, we kind of had six six questions that me and Ollie put together um, to ask fans. And I put it out on Twitter this morning to kind of get, you know, I think I had about 60, 70 responses to the questions, which is really good to just get a vibe of where fans are at, really. Um, and then for me and you to kind of have our say on it, really. So first question we asked was, 
for the start of this season, what would you give it out of 10? And so I say we had like 80 something votes in the end and the average score um, of all those uh, of all those votes was a 7.1 out of 10, um, which seems pretty good, to be fair, doesn't yeah. it? Um, there was lots of comments um, like we had from from Bucknell Shrew on Twitter where he said performance wise, it's a five. But results wise, when you consider the away points gathered and the league points, it's probably an eight. Mm. Which is probably fair enough, isn't it? You balance, and this is what we talked about those stats at the front. You can balance the performance with the results. One could be quite low, one could be quite high, and yeah. between them, yeah, a good solid seven out of seven out of ten to start the season. I, I give it a seven out of ten to start the season. You've put an eight out of ten. I think you know yeah. that that kind of that balance is why you can say this has been a good start to the season. Yeah, and I've watched a lot of terrible starts to the season over the years. <laughs> so something like this, you know, second best start in League One. It, I think it can only be something like an eight because mm. there's no pitches on the league table. It, you know, that's the net result of our output, and you know, we're what is it ninth. Um, yep. we picked up points you know so it, it can only be a good start and that's why I'm sort of trying to infuse a bit of you know positivity going forward because yep. I, th- I think it's there to be to be improved on um, if we get it right going forward the next few months but obviously going into winter things change you know the conditions change people you know injury record changes but if we can keep it going like this yeah I think it's a good start to go from an eight for me yeah, yeah, yeah. the game's coming up as well I mean there's, there's potentially more to, to be winning as well so we'll see what goes on um, second question was um, who's been the most impressive player for the opening period of the season um, so most votes were for Dunkley um, but it was pretty close between Dunkley and Morosi. He was Morosi was probably like two or three votes behind um, in second place. So those two clearly the standouts. But Bayliss and Pennington, a little way back, they were the other two kind of ones that got a lot of votes. Um, and then there was one vote for Pike and two for Leahy. So yeah, those five players only really mentioned. But yeah, it's it's going to be Dunkley, isn't it, or Morosi in terms of the two standouts so far this season? I think. Or would you put Pennington and Bayliss right up there? Um, I, yeah, I, I went for Morosi on my vote. Yeah. I think he's just been, you know, at least once, twice a game, he's pulling off something fairly fantastic. Mm. Um, we were discussing at the weekend who the, the the last sort of permanent goalkeeper who was as good as Morosi was, and some people going back to Lutweiler. Yep. Some people going back further. So he's a standout player, and he's, he started the season really well. I think again, Dunkley has as well. The first first eight games of the season, I thought he was really good. The last couple of games, he seemed a little little bit shakier. Um, yeah, okay. he's, he sort of seemed a little bit more indecisive and but that's just a couple of games you probably get back from that because he does look like an excellent uh, defender so yeah and then the other ones you mentioned you know Bayless we've, we've covered Pennington's been super solid um, and yeah Pike has been alright this season and yeah, <laughs> Leahy's always good so yeah those are the ones but Morosi for me I think yeah, I had Morosi as well. I think it's, um, you know, when you look at everything that's gone on so far this season, I, I think back to the, the most outstanding possibly one-man one performance that we've seen so far was Morosi away at um, Wickham. Yeah. I know you didn't go to that game, but he was bloody brilliant that day um, and pretty similar on Saturday as well. He's, he's you know, you said before he doesn't score the goals, but he wins you points. He, yeah. he has won us three points at on Saturday and he won us those three points yeah. at Wickham. So, you know, six of the 15 points we've got, you can say are heavily reliant upon him. It's, that's almost half of them. Yeah, it's a big compliment. It's what we said about Dean Henderson. You know he's yeah. he's responsible for a lot of points in that team because we didn't score many and it's the same with Morosi he's got to keep a lot of goals out for us to win one yeah. nil to win two one so um, yeah he's a key part of it yeah and because you know I'm Mister Negative we had to ask the question uh, question three who's been the most disappointing player in the opening period of the season so there were two players way out in front um, which I, I wasn't really that surprised about Shipley was was the one I think he had one more vote than Moore so they were like way out in front there was only one vote between them so Shipley and Moore were kind of the leaders um, a lot of people sort of saying um, some something similar to Paul France on Twitter. Um, he put Shipley um, as his vote, but although in recent games he's shown glimpses of what he can do, so I think we're starting to see a little bit more out of Shipley that might make you not worry so much about him. But in this mm-hmm. opening spell, um, he was definitely the the kind of one that most people noted. Interestingly, Bloxham was third, um, and I think wow. that's not maybe as a result of him, unfortunately, although he's had a couple of stinkers in some of the sort of um, trophy games, I'm told. But 
lots of fans in their response to this question were saying they'd like to see him go out on loan now yeah. because he's just stagnating a little bit. Um, there was one or two votes for Bowman as well and um, a vote for O'Brien. I personally will say that the, my biggest disappointment so far this season is O'Brien. He came with a hell of a reputation. He yeah. was going to be our big striker and he simply can't get fit. So for me, I think that's the biggest disappointment. I think it's harsh to smash Moore and Shipley too much because they played like almost every game so far mm. and haven't been totally awful. So for me, it was O'Brien. But go on, what did you have? Well, just on Shipley, I think I would have said Shipley sort of maybe two or three games yeah. ago, but I think possibly I was expecting different things from him than he actually is. I mm. think a lot of people when we signed him thought that he was a you know a, a defence on lock in John do. Nolan, yeah. and I don't think he is. I think he's no. a hard working box to box. I think that's what he is. And when you when you watch him with that in mind, he's doing a good job. Yep. He's working hard. He's putting his foot in. He's he's making the passes he needs to. So I think Shipley might be getting a bad bad rep from from. Fan expectation being different to what he is. There was a lot of people said that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that um, uh, my vote went for Taylor Moore, but I think possibly I might be giving him a, a bit of a hard time on that again because when he's in midfield, he looks a bit like a you know fish up a tree sometimes. Although he has had some good performances, mm. and then on Saturday at centre half, he wasn't great. But again, switching between two positions, midfield and centre half, are completely different. You know, dropping into an established back line, like I say, is difficult. So you know, we're probably not seeing the best out of him because most footballers need a run. Yeah. You know, in a fixed position, um, I think it's a, it's a it's a fair shout out on Brian because we should be getting more out of him, but I can't be disappointed with him because I've not seen him. <laughs> but then I, I have seen somebody put, even though he scored the winner on Saturday, Bowman, a few games before that, seemed a bit, you know, he, he wasn't really being as sharp and, it, was and, as, and, as, and as good a finisher as we know he can be. But, you know, again, he can kick on from Saturday. So it's hard to be too disappointed with most of the players when we're, you know, it, we're winning games I again. Think, you know, it's like, yeah, you know. this is the thing, isn't it? It's because we've not been losing pretty much every game like we did at the start of last season. You can't say someone had had a stinker yeah. of the, of, in every one of those 10 league games. Yeah. Pretty much the same players have pretty much played all of those 10 games. Yeah. You know, Most of them have started the same game. So it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. But I think, yeah, when you ask about disappointments, it's definitely based on people's expectations of Moore and Shipley yeah. rather than actually how they've played in every game. I know Shipley's had a couple of stinkers mm. and Moore's had a couple of stinkers, but that's maybe two, maybe yeah. three out of the 10 games they played in the league so far. So that's a pretty good average, isn't it, in League One, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it'd be great to see O'Brien play a game of football. I, I can't believe how much. Until you put I the money here, I forgot that we I owned f- it. He was a player at our club. I totally forgot he existed. I figure, I figure we're wasting money in a significant way on O'Brien at the moment. Yeah. Um, question four, then. So, this was an interesting one, I thought, because we obviously do our pre match predictions. Everyone does a prediction where they think we're going to finish this season when the squad finally comes together. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the next question was following the start of this season, first 10 games and then the, and the cup games. Where did you now think Town will finish? And so we asked all the fans this again, got sort of almost 100 answers. Um, and the average worked out that people thought we'd finish at roughly 12. So 12, 12 position, it was 12.4 when you worked out the averages. But yeah, 12, 13th position, which I think probably if you'd asked everybody at the start of the season what they thought we were going to do, I don't think it would have been that high. No. I think that we would have been in looking at 15, 16th, something like that. Um, yep. I do think this is definitely a start of the season that has got fans a little bit more up with their expectations now. Yes, which is possible. Completely yeah. fair, because that's what football's all about. So will that give the players more pressure or not? I don't know, but it definitely 12th position seems feels quite high over mm. the, from compared to the last few years, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. My 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 prediction was for 12th. I, I think I think from the start we've had to, to finish sort of low in that 12-13, it would feel like a wasted opportunity. And I think that's what you're alluding to. The start has given us an opportunity mm. for what could happen. Um, so I think, yeah, 12th has got to be where we're looking for. I think I think it's achievable. I don't think we're good enough to finish playoffs. I don't think we're good enough to finish just outside nope. unless we've got a run. So, um, But like you said, at the start of the season, my prediction was about 18th. 
So yeah. it's an improvement on what I thought would happen this season. So um, yeah, I'm looking around. Well, you're a little bit more negative, aren't you? Yeah, I think 14th would still probably end up feeling like a good season. I, I think yeah. we might end up 14th now. I've, I've, I was looking at some stats um, on Blue and Amber earlier today, and actually, when you look at the average position of the teams we played so far, there's only two of the ten teams above us in the league. Right. Us below us. However, we are ninth. But yeah. you know, we've probably had. A, a much easier run, I think, in terms of these ten games. There's only really Derby and Ipswich who are really good teams, I suppose, that we played. Obviously, we beat Wickham, mm. but everyone else has been there or thereabouts in terms of teams we should be able to give a game to. So yeah. that run will change around. We'll probably go on a hard run at some point. But when you look at the next two games, we've got Cheltenham and MK Dons, who've both started poorly as well. So there's massive, massive chance to kick on. And if we were to win those two, I'd probably think we will finish higher than 14. But you know that we can't win three games in a row. Exactly, we can do two. But we, <laughs> when was the last time we won three in a row? Jesus. We have done it under Cottrell. It was when oh, really? I think we've done it twice. But the one I remember is when. He first came in and we won those three away oh, three yeah, games yeah. against the teams in the top three back yeah. to back in for, for like three games in a row teams like forever yeah it was a while ago um, but yeah in terms of other, other people's votes the lowest kind of vote of all of almost these hundred votes was only 17th so no one no one had us lower than 17th that was miserable Ian, Murray James Ian, yeah. Ian Gibson and Murray James on, on Twitter and um, I, I just thought uh, this was a nice quote from Jacob Reese um, in terms of his response he said and a lot of people kind of agreed with this kind of kind of comment really was realistically I think mid table um, 12th but if the results keep coming I can't see why 8th, ninth, or 10th is not achievable yeah and that's it isn't it it's, it's about keeping those results coming rather mm. than the performance so um, I think some people have got you know curious eyes towards a slightly even higher position which um, yeah, we'll see how we go on with that um, Andy, Andy who sits in front of us presumably thinks he's going to win the league at this point because <laughs> he's very optimistic <laughs> so, yes he's, uh, he's well known for his pr- playoff prediction in that season <laughs> we've pretty much almost got relegated but uh, we'll, we'll leave it there Andy's a good listener and uh, a nice guy so we won't, we won't take the mix too much although every time he gets up to go to the toilet you all shout at him see Andy have yeah. a nice evening see you next he's, week he's yeah. off yeah, but yeah. there we go good old block 17 banter um Next question, question five, um, only two more to go. Um, Steve Cottrell. So I thought this was an interesting one because we've had a lot of people saying Cottrell's got to go last season and we've had a lot of people saying now he's good, you've got to let him come good. Mm. You know, we're at a point now where he's been here 100 games um, managing the football club. So it was a simple question was this one. Steve Cottrell, sack him, just let him crack on, offer him a new contract. Um, one, two, three, um, two being let him crack on. Um, most people said let's just let him crack on. Um, mm. Although one of our one of our friends and someone who's been on the podcast for Ben Harvey did say sack him. There was very few people said sack him, and there wasn't very many people saying offer him a new contract either, which I think is probably a fair reflection of how we feel about him as a manager, I guess. Yeah. But no, you know the the calls for Steve Cottrell to move on have dwindled away um, significantly, and I think me and you are in the same point, aren't we? What way it's going? You're not going to try and rock a boat now? For no, no, reason. no. You'd be mad to. But how long is his contract? No. He's got to offer a contract on there. I don't know how long yeah, his current one runs. To be honest with you, I'm assuming it must be coming up soon. I doubt we offered him more than two, two, three years, did we? So, Probably. yeah, it's um, it's interesting. But, you know, he's one of our longest serving managers now during this League One era. So, you know, the way it started, you can't see him not seeing out the season and he'll be probably probably yeah. been here 150, 50 odd games then by that point, which is pretty pretty big. Um, So, yeah, that was just an interesting one, really, but I didn't think I'd get anything other than sort of crack on. And last last question, really, which was, who has been the best of the new summer signings? Um, So on this vote, Dunkley just edged it from Bayliss. Um, Lauren Edwards on Twitter said, Dunkley's very dependable and getting better. Bayliss is a good prospect and I think Sadie's going to be brilliant. And those were the sort of three that got mentioned the most, um, to be honest with you. There was a couple of votes for DaCosta. I think he would have probably featured much higher if he hadn't got injured. Oh, yeah, he I start, like the look of him before he started injured, yeah. really well. But for yeah. me, I went for Dunkley. I think he's been really, really good. Um, um, particularly when we were sort of struggling in those opening games, he was he was an absolute rock, wasn't he? Um, mm. You've gone for Bayless. Yeah, I, I think probably don't be slightly hard done by because we've been blessed with good centre halves recently. You know, you look back at Evans Landell, Pierre mm. when he was in form, and then you got Pennington, Flan- Flanagan. So, although Dunkley's excellent, he feels less crucial. 
Whereas Bayless, with just what he's starting to do with being able to open defences up and, and play that, that That's true. creative pass, yeah. I think he's he's probably the best signing because he really filled a massive hole in the squad, um, whereas Dunkley was bolstering something that was always particularly strong. True, yeah, Bayless yeah. is definitely a unique player in our team. I don't think there's anyone else that's got what he's going to be able to bring us this season in an attacking sense. It's a really fair point, to be fair. I just Dunkley has been a bit like Morosi, though. There's been a couple of games I've watched, particularly away from home, where without him we would have yeah. just crumbled. He was absolutely imperious. So um, I think I've given him most man of the match points so far on, on the Salad cast. So I think it's only fair for me to do that. But yeah, that, that was kind of other people's views, um, just to give an idea, really, rather than just us. Um, and yeah, we are 10 games in. I think we've kind of, kind of wrapped up where we think we are after 10 games. But hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. T- next ten games, it'll be fascinating to see where we end up. Won't it? You know, it'll takes us through to Christmas. What, you know, what are you hoping for for Christmas in terms of Shrewsbury Town? What would be what would be your hope hopes and dreams? <laughs> yeah, top of the league. Um, <laughs> I just think just just to see us build on the start. Really, I, I'd hate to see us squander this now. Yeah, if we go on a if we go on a bum run for the next six or seven games and pick up a couple of draws and a lot of losses, it'll just seem awful naught, won't it? And all those gritty ground out wins and and points that we've got to this point. Um, really deserve um, a bit of a kick on. So I'd like to see us bit, you know, trust ourselves a little bit more, be a little bit less risk averse, because um, I think we've got the back line to support a more attacking um, forward play. I think you know we can we can defend well enough to, to support ourselves. So mm. just to see us go on, kick on, try and uh, you know I think is our next one of games particularly easier. Well, or, we can go know. straight into that now. Yeah. yeah, obviously Cheltenham away next Saturday, who've not started particularly well, and then a Milton Keynes Dons. Um, after that, I think it's at home, who have had a really shocking start of the season. My dark horses to win the league, they were, and they've been awful. So um, there we go. My prediction's amazing as usual. So yeah, you know, those are both games that, you know, the way we've started the season now and the results we're getting, you should be thinking, you know, there's a win out of those two and that kind of keeps you ticking over. This is the part of the podcast where I fall apart yeah, because I know nothing about other teams. <laughs> I watch who we, who we play on a Saturday and I wait till the next Saturday. But Ollie, I'll, take your, um, I'll take your guidance that we're up for a couple more wins. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully so, yeah. There's not too much to say. I mean, I'm going to go to Cheltenham next week. Um... Because, as has been mentioned on the podcast a few times, we've had this nice run of close games. You mm. know, Vale, Forest Green Rovers, Cheltenham, Bristol, they've all been kind of reasonably close games. We've not quite got the Plymouths and the Portsmouths and the... Um, well, not Portsmouth, but um, yeah, those, those teams that are a bit further away yet, so that they will be to come. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from now, really, and um, be lovely to come back and talk about another win next Saturday and see where we sit in the table. Then you might be in the might be in the playoffs. That would be unbelievable. But um, Heady Heights. Yeah, I think that's that's about it, really. That's that's ten games reviewed. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite pleased, and it's it's just a nice place to sit and have a little a little stock take. Yeah, um, a little breather, a little. How do we yeah. do? What can we do next? Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I think we'll leave it there. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, Ollie's still on holiday next week, so I'll, I will rope someone else in to, to come in to talk about Shrewsbury Town. Um, possibly be Chris Hudson. I think I'm going to take him in the car to Cheltenham, so we might be able to record something on the way back or do something live. I'm not too sure. We'll try and figure something out. But um, yes, thanks for coming on again, Mike. We'll definitely have you on again at some point uh, good, this yeah. season. You're always available. Um, <laughs> you've got nothing better to do on Sunday nights, have you? Well, I'm round here using your electric cost of living <laughs> crisis. You know, put the heating on for me. I'm getting a bit cold in here. Yeah, I did offer to come to yours to try and save some money. But I might have a bath it. before I go. <laughs> And um, yeah, we'll be back next Sunday. Um, and yeah, let's let's kind of keep these good times rolling, and see where we end up. Oh!